Hi everyone, I just wanted to jump in before the episode begins to let you know that I've got two spots opening for coaching in the new year. We could start early new year, set three beautiful goals, have someone by your side to hold you accountable, to make changes in your life, to habits, thoughts, to create routines that will help you feel peaceful and be more present. So reach out to me via email or you can DM me on Instagram. The links are in the show notes. And also head to my website, the coaching section. The link's also there. Read more about my program. Ask any questions. We can even jump on a discovery call together and just have a little chat. But it's the perfect thing to treat yourself to in the new year. I can't wait to hear from you. And I hope I will see you in that program. Now to the episode, I hope you enjoy. Welcome to the Life Right Here, Inner Medicine Tools for Present Moment Living. I'm your host, Emma Waters, yoga teacher, educator, and inner medicine coach. We'll explore all things yoga, Ayurveda, and contemplative practice to give you practical tools and insight to reduce overwhelm, soothe the nervous system and remind you of who you are at your core right here in this moment the life right here is your weekly prescription of peace presence and power let's tune in welcome to episode 17 of the life right here podcast We're circling back today to the topic of suffering and minimizing suffering. And this is part two. I don't know how many episodes there'll be on this. There's so much in it, but we'll keep coming back every few episodes just to keep momentum going, but also to break it up a bit. We don't want to focus on suffering every episode for six months. (laughs) I don't want to. Coming up next week will be a practice And then a seasonal session for summer. And then we break for Christmas and New Year. I'm having a month off teaching this year. I'll still be seeing coaching clients, but a pause from teaching just to regenerate, get re-inspired, learn some new mantra, and also just allow some new ideas to come to life. But sorry, I digress there. Back to episode 17. If you haven't listened to part one yet, which was episode 14, then I highly recommend going back and listening to that first. However, I will give a quick summary here before we begin, because some of you will have listened to that episode already, but you might have forgotten the details of that. It was a lot of new terms. So in episode 14, I explained the three forms of suffering or dukkha, according to the Yoga Sutras of Patanjali. And these were... Parinama dukkha, the emotional turbulence that happens when things are changing, but we want them to stay the way they are. Yep, that's a big one for me <laughs> right now. Samskara dukkha, which comes from us creating and maintaining habitual ways of thinking, feeling, and acting. They're kind of the ruts in the road that we just find ourselves falling back into time and time again. And also tapa dukkha. This is the suffering that arises from physical, emotional, or psychological pain or discomfort. And I want to focus today on samskara dukkha. 
as in my experience, this type of suffering is particularly insidious and difficult to eradicate because the patterns of our mental field are built up over long periods of time without us even being aware of them. And also because I felt my own samskaras, my habitual patterns of thinking and behaving resurfacing again recently. And I've had to take a closer look. But let's start with an explanation about the underlying roots of this type of suffering. And it's chitta vritti. If you've practiced yoga for a little while, you've possibly heard this most famous sutra, the second sutra, 1.2, yoga chitta vritti nirodha, which describes yoga as directing and containing the activities of the mind. This is the ultimate goal of our yoga practice, directing and containing the activities of the mind. Remember, yoga is a practice, but it's also a state of mind. Chitta vritti. The term chitta means mind, and in a state of yoga, its nature is vritti nirodha, stillness of any fluctuations. In Nirodha, the containment of the mind is total. And the vritti, the fluctuations, thoughts, emotions, etc. are absent. Of course, most of the human population is caught up in the instability of our mind. <laughs> the constant and varying thoughts that arise throughout the day. As a response to experiences, people. People's a big one, isn't it? <laughs> Reacting to certain people. <laughs> interactions that we have, our childhood, past trauma, we're usually, sadly, a long way away from the state of yoga. So yoga is a practice leading to a state of mind. And that's the best part because there are things we can do to get us closer to that feeling of stillness and mental stability that we all crave. A state where suffering is much less. It's important to remember that yoga sees the body and mind as a system. The body perceives with its senses and the mind processes all of the information that the senses collect. And through that processing, we construct our reality. This process is constantly happening throughout our day with everything we see, read, hear or experience and has done since we were very little. At the same time, we're having thoughts about what we're taking in. We're reacting or responding to the events of our day. The thoughts are usually scattered, unrelated, seemingly random. This is vritti, constant mental activity. And vrittis themselves can be painful or painless. Of course, as we're discussing suffering, we will be focusing on the painful type. And I've picked one type in particular for this episode because I was going to explain the five, but I don't want to overwhelm you. So we're just focusing on one of these. Patanjali describes five forces in the mind that cause us problems, cause us pain. They are painful vrittis, thoughts, and they're the roots of our samskaras, our habitual patterns and reactions to life. All I'm going to tell you is that these five forces are called kleshas. 
and I'm just going to pick out one so that I don't lose you. I possibly already have lost you, so wake up, people. <laughs> this is the important part. The clashes or veils, that word is often translated as veil, they cover the inner light and the true self, and it is really our life's work to remove the veils, to uncover our light and shine it out to others and give them permission to do the same. But these clashes are also part of what it means to be alive. The clasher I've chosen is the last one listed in the sutras, and it's like a thread running through the others. It's called Abhinivesha, and it is fear. And I chose this one because if you take a look at the news right now, in these past few years, you'll see this clasher has taken over. Fear is taking over people's actions, reactions, and lives. The contents of our mind color our perception of ourselves and others. And if the contents of our mind is based on fear, without us paying attention and taking the reins of that fear, we can end up in pretty scary places, as we have witnessed. Our view of reality becomes skewed. So let's take a closer look at Abhinivesha, fear, the fifth klesha or mental affliction, one of those veils that covers the inner light and leads to samskara dukkha. Abhinivesha is really a fear of loss, loss of life, our body, our looks, our home, job family. This underpins much of our suffering in life if we look closely. And it underpins as well the things we do and don't do. Abhinivesha can manifest as samskaras, habitual patterns, like saving money and resources to the extreme, not going on adventures or getting out of your comfort zone, Staying in a job that's draining the life out of you, out of fear of not being able to survive on less income. Withdrawing from social situations. Going to extremes in terms of health and fitness. Dieting. We're almost indoctrinated. I don't know if that's the right word, but indoctrinated with the fear of being fat from a very young age. Preferring to feel safe rather than try new things. Not going for a new job or promotions at work in case you don't get it. Worrying about what other people think of you so you don't do the thing in life that you really want to do. And it also plays out as anxiety where we get to the point where we are just scared of most situations. A generalized fear. So you can see here in this small list of behaviours, really, it's a small list, how fear can subtly but powerfully motivate our thoughts, our speech or non-speech, and then our actions, which leads to how we show up in our life. And the cracker with this clasher is, we are going to lose. There will be loss in our life. 
That is what it is to be human. Our bodies will age, our memories perhaps fade, people pass away. But we fight it and we're in great denial. And so if we come back to the purpose of yoga, it's not to add something to use as a remedy for what's inadequate in us, but it's to remove the obstacles that cover our knowing and recognition and connection to an inner, already present, unchanging, divine, peaceful, joyful state that is our true identity, our true self. Because our thought patterns and how we react to them are always changing, fluctuating, taking us down rabbit holes of self-doubt and shame. And once an habitual pattern is ingrained, we don't even remember when or how the process started. So a couple of points to reflect on, and I'll repeat these at the end of the episode too, but how is fear in particular showing up for you? What do you fear losing? And then what are you doing or not doing as a result of this underlying thread of fear in your life? And thirdly, is there a samskara, a habitual way of thinking or doing things, actions or behaviors that keep coming up for you that may have as their root a binivesha or fear of loss? Personally, Abhinivesha has shown up for me throughout my life. The fear of failing when I was a teenager saw me study for hours on end. And then the fear of not being enough as a teacher. And then when I started my own business, this is just amplified. Running a business, teaching yoga, workshops, you have to face the reality that people may not show up. And you have to separate that reality from that meaning you're not a good teacher. You know, I've taught at festivals, on the teacher training course at Krishna Village, huge classes there, 50, 60 people. This is on the New South Wales North Coast. You can't hide from that fear. Well, you can choose to hide and just not do it. <laughs> but I've had to push through it because I want to teach yoga. But in situations like that, in front of essentially an audience, it's just laid bare and it's raw and it's very real. And I've showed up places shaking on no sleep, literally no sleep. I'm not just exaggerating. <laughs> and sometimes I didn't even know what I was saying, but I got through it. And that was from the anxiety of the night before and probably just with this fear of being revealed as a fraud. And it seems that this fear of being a found a fraud is rife in women. And is it any wonder with the centuries of being told we're not as good as men? But we have to push back. I've also had fear show up lately as anxiety about just navigating life as I head closer to 50. Like, what is that? How did I even... It's not possible that I could be 50 in the next five years. But yes, it is. The fear of my parents getting older or losing someone in my family has always been an underlying anxiety for me. And I've just been quite emotional lately because of some of these things. 
think that has informed my choice of uh, topics of late. But knowing that the underlying root of this pattern for me is fear of Minivesha and that the ancient yogis knew of it and experienced it in the forests of India makes me feel like I'm not alone in this. I'm definitely not, but unless we talk about these fears openly, we continue to think we're the only one experiencing it. But also that these sages gave us a map to start to take off the veils, to anchor into the light underneath it, that light of love, which is the antidote to fear. So in summary today, as humans, we have many mental fluctuations throughout a day called chitta vritti. Vritti, our thoughts, can be painful or painless. And there are five painful vritti called kleshas or veils that cover the light of the true self. And our practice is to gradually remove these veils. Our focus today has been on fear in order to look at how our actions in life might be unconsciously impacted or motivated by this veil of fear. And the longer we let that go on unhindered, the stronger the samskara becomes. We find ourselves back in fear-based action time and again, feeling terrible and beating ourselves up. So can I guide you back to that self-compassion practice? If you're digging into some of these behaviors and unpicking them, the self-compassion practice I shared last week is going to be very supportive for you. I don't know about you, but I would rather the driving and motivating force of my life be one of love rather than fear. Trust rather than fear. Surrender. So when we become aware of these structures of the mind, we can consciously now work towards turning them around, changing our thought patterns and literally our brain and modern science has concluded that yes, we can actually change our brain and how we think. I'd love to hear from you and know your answers to those reflective questions. Here they are again. How is fear in particular showing up for you? What are your fears? What do you fear losing? And then what are you doing or not doing as a result of this underlying threat of fear in your life? Each separate fear might be showing up in different behaviors. And is there a samskara, a habitual way of thinking or doing things? Can you name it? Actions or behaviors that keep coming up that may have as their root a binivesha, this fear of loss. Quite a heavy one today. <laughs> so I want to finish with a passage that I've always loved. And I'm sure you'll recognize it. It's Marion Williamson in her book, A Return to Love. And she says this, Our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It is our light, not our darkness, that most frightens us. We ask ourselves, who am I to be brilliant, gorgeous, talented, fabulous, Actually, who are you not to be? You are a child of God. 
Your playing small does not serve the world. There is nothing enlightened about shrinking so that other people won't feel insecure around you. We are all meant to shine as children do. We were born to make manifest the glory of God that is within us. It's not just in some of us, it's in everyone. And as we let our own light shine, we unconsciously give other people permission to do the same. As we are liberated from our own fear, our presence automatically liberates others. I encourage you to embrace your fears, name them, and do not be afraid of your light. Start pulling those veils off, my friends. Who are you not to be your most fabulous, fearless, and freaky self? Do it even if your legs are shaking and you've had no sleep. (laughs) Oh, thanks for having me. I'll be back next week. Bye. Bye.